0: Let's continue our controversial author series here with Miss Flannery O'Connor's Good Country People. This is a series dedicated to people who potentially have come under fire for things that they've said, things that they've done, or maybe even just their writing triggering people in a way that has gained attention.
1: But first, a message from our sponsor, Good Country People Bible.
0: How you doing, sir? I can tell that you are a man in need of a Bible. Uh, I don't
1: think so. My Mine's upstairs in my bedroom, not in the attic.
0: Well, that's great, because you are in need of a living room Bible. And the more Bibles you have, the more likely you are to get into heaven.
1: Uh, I don't think it works that way. In the book of Acts 8, it says that... What's
0: that? You'd like to act right now and purchase eight Bibles? Well, I got you, sir. I can put you down.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa there, fella. I gotta talk to the missus before I buy any facts. You see,
0: sir, it's always been my contention that the more Bibles that you have, the more likely God's gonna get you into heaven, and oh, it, I'm sorry. It's my heart. I have a heart condition. What? What's going on? You should've told me we had company. I would've made some lemonade. Ma'am, you seem like good country people. What's your name, miss? Mrs. Huzzlefazzit. That's a great name. It sounds like the name of someone who might be in need of a Bible.
1: Well, it takes all kinds of books to make the world go round. That's true, but let's hear the man out, honey. He might have something good to say.
0: Ain't no God-fearing country people in need of multiple Bibles. Well, you heard the lady. She spoke. We ain't buying, sir. Well, I understand. I guess even as good country people myself, I can't even sell a Bible.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa there, fella. You're you're good country folk too? Well, why didn't you say so in the beginning? Come on in, we'll have a tall glass of lemonade and talk about them Bibles.
0: All right, thanks for putting up with that. That was a lot of fun to film. (laughs) Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una.
1: And I am in need of a Bible crypto. (laughs)
0: Now, if you are new to this channel, we go heavy into detail into the books that we read please consider hitting that subscribe button to join us on literature breakdowns and interpretations. Well,
1: you can read this for free. We'll leave a link down in the description from the Gutenberg.org organization. Good Country, Old People is a short story by Flannery O'Connor. It was published in 1955 in her short story collection, A Good Man is Hard to Find. Although it has been republished many times in, say, uh, collections like here I show you. I zoom in on that, Ona. And this is the complete stories of Flannery O'Connor.
0: All right, now Flannery is one of Crypto's favorite authors. She was a devout Roman Catholic, loved writing about grace and salvation, but why? There was actually a book written, I don't know if you knew about this crypto, but it was called Return to Good and Evil, Flannery O'Connor's Response to Nihilism by Henry T. Edmondson III. Have you read that one yet?
1: I have not read that one. Well,
0: I guess with the God is Dead movement by Nietzsche that started before this, but kind of really started taking off with the idea of, of nihilism kind of opposing, saying that there is no meaning, there is no morals, there is no God. God has never existed, and there's a very long famous quote about that but obviously struck home very close for someone who is devout as Flannery O'Connor was.
1: Yeah, and I think that she pushes back against that in many of her stories, even though we'll see some different views in this story. It's pretty evident that she thinks that it is important.
0: We have a quote that says, Again and again, O'Connor suggests that the only way back from the precipice is to recognize the human need for grace, redemption, and God. And I don't think it's fair for O'Connor to kind of be against nihilism like this, because I think it takes... All kinds of people to make the world go round, right?
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's just her putting forth her opinion on grace or salvation.
0: Well, I think I've heard a lot of people say that this story is about how there is evil in good people. There's evil in the country. And it's more than that because the story shows and highlights... In the usual O'Connor way, that there is a path to redemption. These are ways to highlight things that are bad and almost kind of shows you ways to improve. So let's go through our discussion today where I'm going to make the argument that this is actually a very twisted and controversial way in Flannery O'Connor's manner, that this is actually a way to salvation, if you will.
1: So as we go through our discussion here, just a few things that we may touch on throughout, and those are major themes such as faith and grace, as we discussed, We're talking about these different types of people where you're educated or uneducated, uh, hardworking versus lazy, and the good old idea of why people are treated certain ways because of their disabilities.
0: Ableism is a topic here, so if that is a trigger for you, just be aware that this story does have that. And I'm going to kind of wrap up that faith and grace that we when she provides these two sides of the argument of lazy and hardworking and uneducated and educated, that she's kind of drawing her path towards which is the one to work, for, one to work towards for salvation and grace.
1: But there are different paths to work towards that, I feel like, is also evident in this story. So, okay,
0: so for plot, we have Mrs. Hopewell and Joey Hopewell live on a farm and hire tenant farming tasks out. For four years, the Freemans, who have two daughters, Glenisi and Caramay, no idea how to pronounce those, work on their farm as they are good country people. And we don't want that lower class white folk coming around here, do we?
1: (laughs) I get offended every time you do your Southern accent.
0: (laughs) you should, you should. It's it's quite offensive and horrible. (laughs) Mrs. Hopewell is frustrated with Joy's attitude and changing her name to Holga, the most unsightly name she can think of. Now, Joy is accomplished as a PhD graduate, 32-year-old atheist, living at home. She is not full of hope, though. (laughs) <laughs> no her leg was blown off in a hunting accident at the age of 10 and she lives with a prosthetic leg each morning mrs freeman comes up through the back door to chat with mrs hopewell back door symbolism there how many times we going to talk about that <laughs> now mrs freeman seems to be obsessed with any type of illness or aff- affliction like her leg holga thinks but soon a bible salesman arrives with an alleged heart condition he stays for dinner and continues to tell his story about being good country people And is highly religious holga walks him out as they leave and mrs hopewell remarks how all sorts of people make up the world and other cliche lines at 10 o'clock holga meets with manly in secrecy for a date she has a bright-eyed view of enlightening this man and he kisses her and she thinks about it more intellectually than experiencing it manly asks her about the leg and they take it off she tells them they need to be honest with each other but then she lies again about being 30 years old (laughs) (laughs) now she tries to continue the philosophical discussion but he presses her to see his see her leg and how it attaches. And what, and finally admits that that's what makes her different, which is why he's interested. And that kind of unlocks Holger's opening up to him. He tells her that she has to say that she loves him. And he takes out his fake Bible with alcohol and condoms. Holger <laughs> realizes that he ain't good country people. And he leaves with her leg. End plot.
1: <laughs> that's so good.
0: All right, for analysis. Now, this story never defines what good country people is, but I thought, let's start off with this discussion. What was your take from this story of how they define what good country people is?
1: I think the first thing is hardworking, right? And we see that from what you talked about earlier of, we don't want these type of people around here. There's specific type of people they believe are, quote, good country people, and then the other thing, obviously, is your religious views, I think, also come into play when you're being judged as a good country person.
0: I think that gets challenged, right? Flannery yes. O'Connor, we saw with uh, A Good Man is Hard to Find, right? It's all about making people complicated, right? We're not characters, we're real people. So she paints this hardworking and lazy, the lazy, lazy white trash and the freemans who are hardworking people. So we've kept them on for four years. Now comes along Manly Pointer who talks about, oh, I'm such a hard worker. I'm a good country people. So even though she views him as kind of annoying and irritating, she takes him in because she likes that type of person. Yeah, but
1: he's definitely misclassifying himself as he's lying through sales. And we see that, you know, his Bible is more of a uh, device to hold sin, per se. Uh, He's definitely not what he seems to be.
0: Well, and even how... Mrs. Hopewell interacts with him is deceitful as well, right? She's like, "Oh, there's no Bible in the parlor, but uh it's it's in my room, but it's secretly in the attic, hard to find," where she's almost kind of being suppressed a little bit even by her daughter, the atheist, that she can't even access the Bible and kind of lies and deceits her way into this relationship as well.
1: Yeah, and none of them are what they appear to be.
0: It's safe to say Evil creeps into our lives very easily.
1: Yeah, and can consume us and make us do things that we don't necessarily agree with.
0: Now, I would say another part that is highly hit upon in terms of themes. So yes, hardworking and and lazy is one main point. And I think Flannery points hardworking as the ideal spot, right? It, the Bible points it that way in terms of the Genesis 319 by the sweat of my brow. Flannery is going to push hardworking hardworking. As, as the way to move towards salvation and grace as opposed to lazy.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what she probably experienced living in the South in a small town was these people expected everybody to work hard on the farms or work hard in whatever you did and that meant you were a good person.
0: Now that doesn't mean that all you have to do is work hard, right? Because the other big parallel that's compared here I feel like is the educated from a school, a book smarts perspective versus the uneducated perspective, which you can say is non-schooled, but also maybe you can even argue the opposite of educated is street smarts.
1: Yeah. So the way that I like to look at this is Helga considers herself to be book smart, where she's educated, you know, in a traditional sense. And Manly is street smart, where he learns through experiences in life. And it's kind of a tug of war between the two of which one is more important. And as it kind of progresses, we realize maybe it's important to have both of these.
0: I know the, the mother almost looks down on education, right? She says, whenever she looked at Joy this way, she could not help but feel that it would have been better if the child had not taken the PhD.
1: So being in education myself, I know that sometimes people that have an education look down upon others saying, well, you need to learn this in order to be able to better your life. And I, going through being a teacher, we had a training one time where we had to take a test of how would you do specific things in life And everybody in the room was teachers with hundreds of years of experience of teaching. And, you know, they had PhDs and bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, all these very intelligent people. And these questions were pretty simple stuff of what would you do if you got arrested? How would you bail someone out of jail? How would you find food if you didn't have any money and didn't have any food? And most of the people, they failed this test. So it goes to prove that just because you're highly educated doesn't mean necessarily you're super capable in life
0: i feel like manly pointer kind of brings it out in this story where he the way he kind of pushes his way into things the way that he pushes his way into dinner by being deceitful and saying that he's a good country people right all right let's let's bring in and and feed you and we'll give you some food and then holga wants to kind of talk to him and he kind of like starts manipulating her onto this date and telling her how uh, she's so pretty and uh, even just the conversations about love where he's like all right well how would you prove your love to me I assume it's kind of like making the assumption that you have to take the next step and you have to do something physical to prove it.
1: And I know that you're supposed to think Manly is the villain of the story or he's the least likable of all of the characters, but you could almost say that his charm is part of his street smarts and he's using what is given to him. Maybe he's not as, quote, intelligent as Holga, but he has different abilities elsewhere use what you are given
0: you know you'll notice okay so this is our fourth flannery o'connor story that we've done on this channel you'll notice that she always puts this character that is behind a veil right manly pointers behind this veil where we don't really know what's going on we get a we get a glimpse of it at the end and it's 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 gothic right it's it's horrific what he's doing to people but every story of hers has this character that is, I don't want to say the devil, but has the deceitful, the trickery that, that takes advantage of others. She always has a devil-like character in her stories to specifically pull out the weaknesses of the characters, right? So, so Holga's weakness is that she thinks education is everything. And she's she's almost nihilistic, right? Believing in nothing. Science is a study of nothing. And along comes Manly Pointer to the nihilism talk to pull out the weakness in nihilism, which is what Flannery O'Connor was so against, right? Because if you don't believe in anything, if you don't believe in working hard, if you don't believe in, in being educated, what do you stand for? And that's a, a gross misrepresentation of what nihilism really is. And even Nietzsche wouldn't they phrase it that way, but I think that's how Flannery O'Connor took it. So her view of salvation and grace is moving towards those positive things. And Manly Pointers is the one that's kind of pulling out the weakness of Holga of how, while she's educated she still has weaknesses as a human being.
1: Yeah, and I think that one thing that a lot of Flannery's stories does well with this specific character that she seems to kind of write over and over again is manipulation, and we've seen that in many of her stories. This key devil-like-esque figure manipulates these, quote, good people into maybe showing their true colors. And
0: Flannery really hits you on the head with this quote where, where she says, Woman, do you ever look inside? Do you ever look inside and see what you are not? God. She had cried, sinking down again and staring at her plate. melenbrock was right and we are not our own light. We are not our own light. And I probably murdered that name. I I should apologize in advance. If you want to hear names mispronounced, you come to our channel, right? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) But but this was a philosopher that argued that all ideas exist only through God, as opposed to the opposite, which is because God is dead, we we don't need him. We we have no purpose for him. Morals don't exist. The life is pointless. The opposite was value comes through God, which you know, Flannery O'Connor is very specifically putting this in here to make her point and make her stance, make her argument against nihilism, that you must stand for something. You must stand for the educated. You must stand for moving towards hardworking to reach grace and salvation. I feel like is her point and why she's specifically putting all of these nihilistic comments in the story.
1: Yeah. And then Holga struggles with that because she's only got one leg.
0: (laughs) Well, and that brings up probably our trigger point, which is the the ableism (laughs) conversation, right? So So let's start with Manly because his is, is very traditional. He's he may he may he may not have it. This might have been one of his many lies, but a heart condition. Yeah. The heart Whenever condition. a character has a heart condition, it's because they have a weak heart, whether it be in personal introspection or whether it be in an inability to open up and connect with others. Usually illnesses represent flaws in the characters, right? So he has the heart condition and he is the devil-like character that has no heart and has no compassion for humanity in the story,
1: yeah. right? And then Joy is missing or Holga is missing a leg. It's the
0: idea that it's hard to move forward, right? She's 32, lives at home, unmarried, never kissed a man right? She's so intellectual, she's never even had these actual book smart experiences. And she's held back because her leg and lack thereof is what defines her according to the story. And that's going to be hard, maybe from a modern sensibility standpoint, because while that is how a lot of old traditional literature uses those handicaps, it can be hard for people with those handicaps, and maybe some more modern sensibilities to accept that That's the only thing that defines you, right? The definition of ableism. Ableism is the discrimination and social prejudice against people with disabilities and who are perceived to have disabilities. Ableism characterizes persons as defined by their disabilities and needing to be fixed, which is exactly how, unfortunately, Flandre O'Connor in her controversial story is picturing this as these are people that need to be fixed. Now, with that said, that will trigger some people. Now, what I would argue is that these aren't things that are actually holding them back, but these are things that the character thinks is holding them back, right? I haven't talked on this channel very much, but I have someone very near and dear to my heart that actually was born with a shorter leg. This person has gone through leg uh, lengthening where they kind of break the leg and kind of grow it over time. But as a result, this person's leg has been about six to seven inches shorter than the other leg in their entire life. That's something that we tell this person that, there might be people that make fun of her. There might be people that that don't look at her the same way, but she has to face those things and has to kind of rise up and realize that this is not 100% definitional to her, but it will be a part in many parts of her life.
1: And I think that's one thing that I actually like what Flannery has done here, and I, I it's an argument. You can be mad at Flannery for it, but I feel like that when you have one thing in your life that is flawed you will then try to rely heavily on one other aspect of your life. So here, Holga is missing a leg, and so she relies heavily on her intellect to make up for that, you know, quote, physical handicap.
0: The compensation, if you will.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And there's another one with Holga with the glasses, where they keep talking about her icy blue stare, how she's wearing glasses. And at the end, this whole time, she hasn't been able to see Really, she hasn't been able to see the issue with Manly Pointer. Oh, gosh, that name. <laughs> she hasn't been able to see his problems. And what does he do when he starts to make his move? He takes her glasses off and puts it in her pocket. So, again, playing off of that this whole time she's been blinded but can now see type of thing. There's even a quote in there uh, about in the story about that but uh there's been there's a couple of commentary here about disabilities and, and holding someone back
1: the large hulking joy whose constant outrage had obliterated every expression from her face would stare just a little to the side of her her icy blue eyes with a look of someone who achieved blindness but an act of will and means to keep it Oof, that hits you in the soul huh <laughs> that's yeah, pretty that's,
0: <laughs> Fl- flannery knows what she's doing when it comes to writing yeah Uh, and then and we would be remiss if we didn't do a quick recap on these names right like these names are very obviously meant to be played with here right you have miss hopewell who's kind of ironic because she is so filled with cliches from holga's eyes she uses all these cliches because she doesn't have knowledge like it's a shield from from actually facing knowledge and improving herself she is hoping for the best she's hoping like her name is very ironic with her life
1: I would say, though, if you're the very first person to write these things, are they cliches? Like, I think uh, Flannery... Is... <laughs>
0: well, for for a year, they've been done for years, right? So Flannery wasn't the okay. first person to do this. But uh, even Miss Hopewell, I would even argue, too, is maybe even just a little bit fatalistic and hoping for something better. So there's very fun play yeah. there.
1: And then, I thought it was funny, the the Freemans, did you say that? The Freemans who are, like, the tenant farmers who are not
0: free? right. The ones that are bound to their work, right? Then you have Manly Pointer, whose name Manly Pointer is a very phallic (laughs) name (laughs) with what his point is and pulling out the condoms and stuff. Uh, But I also like the way that they make him mispronounce Christian, Christian, right? When when they would pronounce it in the book, uh, where he even speaks in kind of dialects while the mother speaks in uh, cliches.
1: And then our other main character, uh, Joy or Holga, she doesn't have any joy or lacks joy. Uh, She takes the worst name possible in her own mind, Hulga, that is the opposite of joy or ugly per se. I I love the wordplay on all the names here. It's very cool.
0: Well, even arguably, too, by taking away the joy, by taking away the value, she is representing those nihilistic traits that we talked about earlier that she saw in science, that she saw in life, that there is no meaning Even her name and her purpose behind that is nihilistic too, which is rather interesting.
1: All right, so we'll move on to ratings. And we usually do kind of two different scores here with ratings where we will do one subjective and one that is analytical. And for me, uh, this is Flannery. You know that I'm going to give it a 12. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we do it out of 10. And for my enjoyment, actually going to go a little bit less this one. Uh, Probably like a 7.5. And then for my analytical, I would go an 8.5. So overall, I'm going to give good country people good eight.
0: I'm going to go with my enjoyment was actually like a 9.5. I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was, I thought it was Southern Gothic at its best. Uh, For analysis, I would actually go a little bit lower. I, I think a lot of these points are a little bit more obvious. I think the nihilism is a trait that you'll see in a lot of Flannery O'Connor stories. But I think this is just very, very well done. I would give this an 8 for analysis. So I guess it averages out to, an. Well, I can't do 0.75s. Let's round it up to a 9. We'll do a 9 <laughs> overall for the story.
1: I think this is the first time you've ever given a higher score to a Flannery story than I have.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess I guess you need to step up your game
1: dang it. I'm sorry, Flattery. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for following us along in this controversial author series. There are obviously problems that people will have with the story, but does that mean that the author is problematic? Does that mean the writing is problematic? Did the author have problematic thinking? Probably. There's been a recent article that talks about some of the racism, which really should not be a surprise. So we appreciate you spending some time to talk about these types of works in literature. If you're down for more discussions like that, please hit the literature. Please hit the subscribe button. Peace, (laughs) peace. Go over, go over here and show me what you're gonna do again. Show me what I'm supposed to do. Okay. So, so when you say action, what am I supposed to do? do I gotta walk up to the house, chomping like an alligator. No, I think that makes sense. Here, let me let me give it a shot. Action. How'd I do? Pretty good, but a little bit too close. I was too close. Do I have to do it again? You say action? Uh Uh-huh. What are you doing? I said action. Oh,
1: okay. You gotta do this.
0: Are you kidding me? I I gotta make them more claw-like? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Last time, I swear. Action. Nailed it this time, right? But uh No, no. I think I think salty. I think that was a good take, buddy. That was a little bit too salty. There was not too salty. I don't even know what that means. How you doing, sir? I can tell that you are a man in need of a Bible. <laughs> All right, let's try it again. Don't laugh this time, okay? I, can't stop. I know. You did a good job. Let's try it again, okay? I can't stop because you say that funny word. Need of a Bible.